Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, I'm Jim Salverson and this is Football Social Daily. And it's Friday, the start of the weekend but there's no Premier League football to talk about. On today's podcast, we do have England's impressive 3-0 win over Wales last night to discuss. Very much a second string team on the pitch for Gareth Southgate. But who in that 11, or in that 25, or however many players actually got on the pitch, might have actually done enough to force their way into Southgate's first team thoughts? The transfer window may well have closed, but there's still the potential for incomings into the Premier League, either from the championships or some that could be straight out the bargain bin. We're going to look at some of the free transfers that your club could be snapping up over the next week or so and rating their chances of impressing in the Premier League. And Paul Pogba. He's gone on international duty and he's in the headlines again, this time fluttering his eyelids and showing a little bit of leg to Real Madrid. But does the want-away midfielder actually want away from Manchester United? We'll discuss the future of the Frenchman a little bit later on the podcast. And we're going to do all that in the company of him, Marley Anderson. Hello. And him, Steve McNaughton. Hello. Hello, boys. So let's kick off with the international break. And last night's friendly for a whole load of Premier League faces in England's win over Wales. It was a 3-0 victory for England, but was it a strong, good performance for Gareth Southgate's team? Or were just Wales very, very poor, Marley? And I'm quite conscious that every time England play well, we do say the opposition was poor. But was that the case last night? Uh, in, in total fairness, I think it was, I think it was both. Um, you could sort of see the way Wales were setting up. Um, the first 20 minutes, I think they had quite a lot of possession. Um, but when you actually watch the match, it was just passing it around the back four and they were almost like scared to go forward because every time they went forward, they lost the ball and it never it never amounted to anything. I think the only time they ever looked kind of dangerous is when they got Ravi Matondo on the ball on the wing and he tried to take people on and, and do something. But I think... Um, once once England started getting the ball, they looked instantly way, way, way more dangerous than, than Wales. Um, and they pretty much one of the first proper attacks, they, they scored the goal and the, the whole tactical sort of battle up to that point was justified by Wales being a bit scared to go and play because they knew that England were far superior in, in quality. And um, even with, you know, without you know, Harry Kane, Sterling, Sancho... Mm. Uh, Madison, all these players. It was almost like a an England B team. Uh, somebody said on Twitter yesterday, and it's it was it, completely. Yeah, probably got a, a very fair point there. To be fair, but um, you know that B team still very good because England have got a lot of depth these days and a hell of a lot of uh, a, a big pool to to um, to choose from. And when you're bringing in Grealish um, into the, that sort of free role number ten role kind of thing, and Danny Ings who nearly won the Golden Boot last year and. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who no one scored more goals than him in, in Europe's top five leagues at all uh, this season, you're not exactly you know scraping the barrel for talent. So I thought England were good though. It was uh, it was a solid performance. wasn't the, wasn't the greatest game, but it, it never is with an England friendly. But 
did more than enough with uh, with what they had on the pitch to to see off Wales, who were were pretty poor, to be honest. Wales really struggled with balls crossed into the box, which was probably of benefit to Dominic Calvert Lewin. And but even despite that, even despite Wales being particularly weak in that area, Steve, and I'm coming to you because I want to make you praise an Evertonian. Uh, how good was Dominic Calvert Lewin last night, and how much credit can we give Carlo Ancelotti for his improvement over the last? Well, over the last 12 months or so. Okay, just let me get ready for this. Uh, because, uh, <laughs> you know, let, let, let's be honest, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is a monster. There's no doubt about it. He's in scintillating form and he's he's a big guy as well, isn't he? You know, when I was... Um, it was weird because it was like... I only seen the highlights of the game, but it's weird, but it was a bit of an optical illusion. When he's got that white kit on, the England kit, he looks, more, he looks bigger than when he's playing for Everton. Um, but I think, yeah, fair play to him. I think he has reaped the benefits of having a world-class coach like Carlo Ancelotti on the training ground with him day out, telling him what to do to improve his game. And Everton are in great form at the minute. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a surprise, obviously, to us all, but... Um, they, they look really, really good and um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is leading the line, he's scoring a bag full he's a handful, he's mobile he's got decent pace about him I think for the big guy and I just can't see uh, the momentum stopping with him, I think as long as you keep throwing the balls in the box like that to him or over the top for him, I think he's going to get an absolute bag full this season and you know, England, uh, you know, we talked about an England B team there, they've got um, it's almost like an embarrassment of riches at the minute, England, haven't they, with players that they can rotate and bring in? I mean, don't get me wrong, I think Belgium will do them at the weekend, but um, I think, you know, to be able to rotate as heavily as that and bring in players like they have done and um, mm-hmm. and get the result last night, I mean, you know, let's be frank, that, that the, the golden generation for Wales has, has well passed, you know, from when they got to the semi-finals of the Euros. It just isn't the same team anymore and um, you know uh, the scoreline was heavier than I thought it'd be last night you know before kickoff I thought um, they'd be compact they'd be quite tight but they were they were poor Wales last night but fair play to Calvert-Lewin he looks great um, long may it continue and because um, that is only good news for England up top because I think if England aren't as reliant on Harry Kane um, and got the likes of Danny Ings coming in as well who is just been incredible for the last couple of seasons um, I think it's a good time for him I think it is I just uh, you know wish I could get excited about the uh, national team <laughs> <laughs> well there were some interesting selections last night and a few new faces coming in or certainly faces from the fringe coming in I thought they looked a little bit bigger a little bit more physical last night compared to England we saw five at the back as well which isn't always the formation that Gareth Southgate likes to go with but who else impressed you aside from Dominic Calvert-Lewin who else do you think will have a chance of stepping into that first 11 now Marley uh, I, I think Connor Connor Cody did really well at the back um, you know we mentioned mm. you know Wills are pretty rubbish or they were last night um, but Connor Cody's is um, a lot was made of his communication um, and his, his constant shouting and his constant um, talking to his defenders and sorting out that back three I think if England want to be that back three um, and, and play that that three or five at the back, whatever, whatever it sort of, whatever it, you decide on whether it's a three or a five, he's perfect for it because he plays it week in week out with um, with Wolves and he's the central centre back in that system. He's the one who who is always communicating with. Is it, it's usually Bolly and Sice at, at Wolves, but he's um, he's perfect for it. He's got a great range of passing. I think one of the 
Um, first things he did last night when he got the ball was hit a sort of 60-yard diagonal pass and picked out Calvert-Lewin, who was instantly in behind the defence um, and a better sort of a better touch could have could have got him a goal, but um, it just proved that he's, he's a little bit more than a centre back. Um, he's a he's a leader. He's defensively sound as as you would expect, um, and he's got a good range of passing to to launch counter attacks and to see to see uh, you know pick up the pace from from the back and sort of dictate the play. So he ended up with the captain's armband as well, which sort of proves how um, highly rated he he is and how. How Gareth Southgate thinks of him in terms of him being a uh, a leader in that dressing room kind of thing, and I think that's really important for England because a lot of the defenders aren't the most experienced guys. Um, and even though Cody's not experienced on the international stage, you can tell from his interviews and things like that that he loves playing for England, and um, it's a real sort of honour for him. We were talking yesterday about, you know, does it mean anything to play for England anymore? Is anybody really bothered? Um, these days, and you, you hear Cody talking about it like his his dreams have came true, and that's that's how it should be in the end, really. I'd be a bit knocked if I was Dean Henderson, I think, because with all the changes last night and with the experimentation going on, I would have expected maybe to get that call up, but instead, it's Nick Pope, who we have seen in net for England before, and arguably you'd say his form does deserve it, but if you were Dean Henderson, Steve, would you have expected maybe getting the number one jersey last night? I think so, yeah. I think... Um... It's a funny one for Dean Henderson. I, I really rate Dean Henderson highly. I think he's a fantastic keeper and he's got potential to go up a level or two as well, which which is great news for Man United. But I thought he would have been a guaranteed starter last night, especially with, with Pickford you know, not being selected. Um, I think that the, I don't know what more the guy's got to do. He was absolutely outstanding for Sheffield United last season. Um, he has taken his chances at United when he's been playing in, in the cup games and, and I think he's kept clean sheets in them, hasn't he? Um, uh, I'm sure He's got to up. be first choice somewhere. If if you're going to get your chance at all, yeah, it doesn't absolutely. matter if you're on the bench. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost like, can you imagine yeah. being Nick Pope last night and saying, you know, if Pickford's in bad form and I'm first choice at my club, what, what else am I going to do? Like, what else has he got to do in, in that situation? Yeah. And even though Nick Pope had the worst game of his Premier League career last night, uh, last weekend against Newcastle, he was awful, really, really bad. But mm. at the same time, he's still first choice. It's a blip, though, that isn't he? That's, that's yeah. one poor um, game in a while. Although we do talk about Nick Pope being bad with his feet, and that's exactly what he was at the weekend. Um, so maybe if Henderson was going to get a, a chance, maybe it should have been yesterday. I don't know. What is Henderson? Is he twenty three? Is he pretty young? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I just I don't know whether there's. Um, there's something in the fact that maybe South Southgate thinks he's got a little bit of maturing to do as a goalkeeper, you know, with, with his age. Um, I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of, really, because I think that Henderson, um, I think he's the best out of the three, me. I think out of Pope, mm. uh, Pickford is his last choice by some way. I think he <laughs> is awful. Um, and not just because of the club he, play, he plays for, but I think... You know, he'll still play against Belgium. He'll be straight back in against Belgium, which, which I think is madness. I think that is crazy, mm. um, and I think that I don't agree with with picking players on reputation. I think you've got to pick players on form, and I think that that you know, for me, uh, I would have gone with Henderson um, on the evidence mm. that I've seen this season for United in the games that he's played, and and in light of what 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 has happened previously. But I think that. Um, it's a it's a it's a toying cost, isn't it, between 
toss, not cost, uh, between Nick Pope and, <laughs> and Henderson at the minute. And I think sometimes he, he will get the nod and sometimes he won't. But I think England doesn't have someone who can properly stake a claim and own that number one shirt at the minute. I'll tell you what I think should be first on the team sheet for the game against Belgium and that's Jack Grealish absolutely he did for England last night what he's done for Villa all season he was a little bit of a spark in an England midfield that quite often is lacking that little bit of creativity and that little bit of danger and I just think if anything I mean surely last night's performance worked him into that starting lineup, or at least puts him in Gareth Southgate's thoughts 100% you know he's and I think Jack Grealish has um He's found another level this season, hasn't he, as well in the Premier League. Mm. He's, he's really kicked on. And um, and I think even though the workload at Aston Villa is, is spread out a little bit more now than it was last season, because they were literally a one-man team last season, um, I think that I, I'd be starting him without a doubt. I think there's a question mark about Jack because of some of the off-field stuff that has happened. Um, and I think that um, were England are concerned, I think that's probably a concern in the back of the head. But I genuinely hope that, that that stuff's all behind him in the past. He's a sensational footballer, and I think that um, he is worthy of that England shirt. And I'd be I'd be up for him starting all the time. Certainly in the place yeah. of the likes of Eric Dyer, you know. Um, I think he does give us something that that we haven't had for a while. Um, you know, there's a touch of a touch of magic about him. There's a touch of the gazer about him, isn't there? In his in his in his pomp, and um, yeah, I think it, it's it's exciting for England. Um, you know, it's I still haven't got the desire to go out and watch them. I don't know if because there's no fans in there or what, <laughs> but um, I think you know, look like I said before, the squad that he can pick from and mm-hmm. the talent pool that he can dip into all over the pitch really is is nothing but good news honourable mention for Danny Ings as well who couldn't really have done more last night scored oh. an overhead kick was making intelligent runs uh, against the Wales defence but at the same time you can't really see him getting anywhere near the first 11 when everyone's fit because there's too many ahead of him but he had a great game last night probably what England needed that a bad year in terms of things on and off the pitch for England so a little bit of a lift in a 3-0 win over Wales this is Football Social Daily we're going to be talking about some of those free transfers that are doing the rounds at the moment there's a few real spots of talent that are available to come into a club with no fee going the other way at the moment we're going to talk about the best shortly and we're going to discuss the future of a certain Mr Paul Pogba again football social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode listen to the latest premier league news updates and match reports now just ask open sport social Welcome back, this is Football Social Daily. Let's talk free transfers because there's loads of players out of contract at the moment can still be signed by Premier League clubs for another couple of weeks as well as signings from the Championship and below. But I set a challenge to Stephen Marley for them to pick their favourite player from the free options that are available right now and where potentially within the Premier League they might fit in. So, who have you gone for, Marley? Um, I was just looking around and, you know, a lot of the... A lot of the people you see are obviously free agents because they're ancient, <laughs> sort of not far off going to the MLS or China or somewhere like that, or you know the Punjabi giants or whatever they're called in India or something like that. But um, one one name kind of st- stood out to me a little bit, and it was um, it was Mario Mandzukic, mm. um, who was at who was at Juventus, and he's been he's been around for a long time. He's thirty four. 
again, you know, obviously he's he's past his best. However, the way he plays, he's kind of a he's he's never had pace. He's always been a sort of target man, a big, physical, energetic striker, and he's 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 got pedigree at the top level. So I'm I'm looking at him and then looking at Man City and going, you know, you've got you've got no one up front at the minute with with Jesus and Aguero both injured and Aguero still a few weeks away. They're probably both coming back into it into the team at the same time, mm. which is another stroke of bad luck because really you want to get one of them back so he can play rather than have that issue with of them both being fit again. Um, it'll almost only be Christmas then Aguero will be injured again so they can, they can chop and change it'll be fine. <laughs> it's quite every possibility of that, yeah. But I think Mandzukic has got has got the experience um of being at a top club. He'll he'll probably want a, a hefty wage, but mm. if you're getting him on a year's contract or eighteen month contract, something like that then it's not that big an outlay if you pay him you know, 100, 100 grand a week, something like that. Um, he can help bring on other lads at the club. If you look at Liam Delap, is is built similarly to Mandzukic. He's tall, he's rangy, he's, you know, he's a centre-forward. Can you imagine learning off a guy like him who's yeah. literally twice his age? That's That could be massive for him. So I'm looking at Mandzukic and thinking, you could probably do a job in the short term. It's not that far off what Cavani's going to do for Man United. That's what they've yeah. signed him for. And you could argue that Mandzukic is coming from... Um, from a higher caliber uh, league than uh, than Cavani because he's been in um, been in uh, Italy for a while and scored loads and loads of goals. I think recently, looking at his Wikipedia, he was at Al Duhail, which is uh, a Qatari sports club. So he's probably not quite at the top level anymore. But still, he's only been out of there for a year. Before that, he was at Juve, Atletico, and Bayern. So. He's been around. He knows the he knows the game. Um, I just think maybe six foot three, you can at least you're gonna if you're gonna spam crosses into the box at least then you yeah. got him to bounce them off into the back of the net maybe. Um, club wise, I, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think Man City is is a valid shout because I think they could do with someone like that. But I just think that he, he's he's a shoeing. So, but I think you know the guy's got like I mean hasn't he got something like ten to a dozen league titles or something like that and um, and he's won the. The Champions League, he's, he's he's got it all, and I think I remember the goal he scored in the Champions League final for Juventus against Real Madrid. You know that like almost like scissor kick, wasn't it? It was a really nice finish, and I think you could do a lot worse. I think you know, but for me, I think it'd be teams that um, want to cause problems for for defenders and play that long ball system really. So you're pumping it up to him all the time. He can hold the ball up. He can bring others into play by doing that. And I think it'd be nice to see him in the Premier League. I think he's um, someone that could, like Marley said, that he could pass on a lot of experience to the younger players at clubs. Um, but you know, I can see him having a, a an impact like um, uh, you know, Lorente's had at the clubs that that he's been at. You know, in the twilight of his career. Um, but in the interests of of um, you know the podcast, I think I'll probably have to look at someone else and say I think we need to talk about Jack Wilshire. Do we? <laughs> <laughs> Word, you know, what's the vibe on Jack Wilshire? We, we, I talked about Jack Wilshire briefly when I spoke to um, West Ham ITK XWHU employee on Wednesday night, and my feelings on Jack Wilshire is there, there, there was a risk there two years ago to be taken. If you wanted to sign a quality midfielder, it was worth taking a punt to see if you can get him fit. He has proved over the last two years, that he can't get fit enough to play in the Premier League. And despite what he says in his social media posts, he hasn't been fit for two years. 
he's had surgery within that time. So I'm sure there's doctors that will say, you probably weren't fit, Jack. So he's putting out a image of himself as a fully fit player who doesn't have an injury problem because he wants a new contract with someone else. So you can understand him doing that, but there isn't a Premier League club, I don't think, that should be taking a chance on him. I can see him going to Scotland. I can see him going to the MLS where it's not quite as full-paced and you can take it a little bit easy and you can kind of like control the game with maybe not the same level of fitness. But I think as far as a Premier League player is concerned, I think he's done. Mm. Do you think there's a, there's anything... He, was, he started playing at a very young age, didn't he? And he's put into that Arsenal team very young. And I wonder mm. if there's anything in that that has... Uh, because Michael Owen had it, didn't he, in his career where he was, he was thrust in uh, at 17 years of age, played something like 58 games in his first season as a 17-year-old and... Um, had massive injury problems throughout his career which are well documented and I just think that um, someone needs to take a chance on him I think I did um, I had a conversation about Jack Wilshire and his injury record with um, a couple of brothers Colin and Gary Lewin who were Arsenal physios under Arsene Wenger's time at Arsenal and you'll be able to hear that on a podcast that's coming very soon by the way Uh, if you search football stories there's a brand new podcast coming up and it's got a load of conversations with people from kind of the the back rooms of football and giving a bit of insight on how the game works. But their theory was that this idea that players are blooded too young now and it can cause them injury problems it is not so much they're getting played too young. In fact, the opposite is true because the physiotherapy around injuries is so much better now and it is just there's more attention on players now and the injuries they get. So it's more the way it's reported rather than the actual significance of the injuries to the individual. On the subject of injuries, though, there's another often crooked player that I think is potentially worth a shout on the free market front. Danny Welbeck, who was at Wolves last season and played a few games for them, didn't score a whole load of goals. I think he scored two when he was there. He's been released on a free when Watford got relegated. He was on 100 grand a week there. So he's available on a free. He'd need some decent wages, but I imagine he wouldn't be demanding 100 grand a week still. I think West Brom could do with looking at him. They've lost Robson Carnu with a broken arm, desperately need a striker. He'd be worth a gamble, wouldn't he, Marley? Uh, yeah, for for West Brom, I think it's uh, it's a gamble you're almost you almost have to have to take kind of thing because they haven't. I mean, they've got Callum Robinson up front. He's he's doing okay, but he's he's not going to score you that many goals. And you, he, if you play him every week, he's probably going to get burnt out a little bit. Um, one of the clubs I was thinking about is 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 um, Burnley, who could possibly have a look you're, for. You're always thinking for, about Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> I was sat there in my, somewhere or sat another. there in my Burnley pajamas last night, thinking, <laughs> oh, what about Burnley for Welbeck? But I'm just thinking Burnley have spent less than a million quid this summer, so they've, they've got to have some money at some point. I know that mm. that Deitch is is fuming that he can't get the players in he wants to get and. Um, there's obviously something in that that there's there's not that much money at the club, but if you know a free transfer, I think the thingy Marley probably. I think the, the you know the COVID nineteen has really hit mm. Burnley hard. Yeah, possibly, um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that if we if we if we can get someone from Burnley on in in the coming weeks, um, you know, I think they'll be able to give us a bit more a bit more of a uh, you know a, a, an inside uh, scoop on it. Like, but I believe that they were they were quite close to to you know. You know, like literally a couple of months away from 
you know, being in a really vulnerable position. So I don't know, mate, and I'm just kind of, you know, putting it in there and saying that there might be that might be a legitimate reason why Burnley have been so inactive, you know? Yeah, it could well be, but I suppose if they if they were like that, then why not sell James Tarkowski for for 30, 40 million or something like that and, and ease the pressure and then, you know, you don't even have to replace him. If the club is that stretched for money, it would almost be like, yeah, you know, let's sell him and let's get a loan in or, or something and, and try and, you know, pinch and, and scrape our way through this season before rebuilding next year with the with the hopefully the TV money coming back but I mean going back to Welbeck I think you know Jim you mentioned his wages 100 grand a week Let, let's say he took it's not let's say that. he took 50 I still, I still think that's 20 grand more than Burnley's highest earner I don't think many guys are on more than 30 or 40 grand a week at, mm. um, at Burnley I think Chris Wood's probably the most expensive player or maybe Tarkowski or or someone like that maybe even Pope but nah it's it probably doesn't make sense, but in terms of who needs who needs incomings, no, I don't think anyone needs them more than Burnley, to be honest. I think we're well back and and and, and Will should who we've just been talking about. I think clubs will be reluctant to give them long term contracts. I think um, you know on on wages that might stretch their structure a little bit. Um, I think for me, certainly, you know, I, I, they probably have to kind of look at some kind of pay-as-you-play model uh, with, with incentives in it mm-hmm. because I think putting two or three years on Welbeck or, or, or Jack, I think, is would be a financial mistake. Interestingly enough, I thought I'd do some research on Danny Welbeck because I saw him as an option on a free and went, oh, I could just refresh my memory how he did when he was at Watford. So I went on Wikipedia and kind of, looked up his stats to see how he was doing and his entire career at Watford is summed up in one line and the line is Welbeck signed for Premier League club Watford on the 7th of August 2019 he was released by the club on 6th of October 2020 <laughs> not even an honourable mention of his first goal or anything like that so maybe he didn't do too much with the Hornets he scored a bicycle kick last year and all of a sudden it was like Jesus he must be over his uh, injury worries if he's scoring a bicycle kick well we'll see what happens whether anyone takes a chance on him over the next couple of weeks there are a couple more well, I think there's one week left of the transfer window for Premier League clubs to do business I want to talk about Paul Pogba very quickly because as always Paul Pogba goes on international duty, says something stupid to the press, and it is back page news instantly. He's being linked with a move away from Manchester United again because comments he made saying that he would one day like to play for Real Madrid. So he also said in the same interview, I mean, that's the headline that he one day wants to play for Real Madrid. If you read a bit further, he said he will do everything to put United where the club deserves to be, wherever that is. Um, And he also said that he hadn't spoken yet to Ed Woodward about a new deal, but he wanted to concentrate on getting his best form back, etc, etc, etc. So normal kind of press conference stuff. But again, if you're Paul Pogba... You just don't say anything about Juventus. You don't say anything about Real Madrid, do you? Because it's asking for trouble. It's essentially going to be reported as you courting that team, Steve. Yeah, it's just, it's the same different sort of different day, isn't it? You know, um, with him. And, and if you're a Man United fan, you must be sick to death of Paul Pogba now. And I think that the clamour for him to get out of the club will, will start to increase again. Um I mean, the guy just can't keep his mouth shut. Um, you know, he doesn't... He, I don't think he's committed at all to Man United. I just don't buy it. You know, when he says that he wants to help them get back to where, where they should be, um, mm. he's not done that in, what, three or four seasons while he's been at the club. Um, 
Yeah, and there's been times where, let's be frank, he has down tools there. There's, there's no, I mean, I know that might be a bit controversial, but I don't think that Paul Pogba, probably bar a dozen games at Man United, has put 100% in. I just don't buy it uh, over his career. And I think. Maybe he's just not that good. Maybe I mean, that's it. The, we say he's not yeah. putting effort in. Maybe he's just not that good a player. Yeah, and I don't think he's got the right manager to get that out of him either. I think, you know, would if it was kind of cards on the table, you know, does he really respect Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? I don't think he does. I think that um, he's not bought into what the manager's trying to do at Man United. We know Man United have got big problems at the win- at, at the moment. The transfer window was not good for Man United when they needed to bring in some depth into the squad and it's a batten down the hatches time that you know they got they, they got turned over big time at the weekend uh, as we know um, on that crazy Sunday and um, mm. he, he's just kind of that's a time where Ollie will want to kind of you know close ranks he want to get the lads together um, he'll want to be kind of saying listen you know everyone's kind of out to get us at the minute um, you know they're, they're writing off our chances of doing anything this season and you know the, the circling around us to criticising what we're doing in the transfer market or what we're not doing in the transfer market and he comes out and he just talks about this stuff all the time and it's a problem for United because his contract finishes at the end of the season doesn't it and he's got United can option another 12 months in there it's, it's in the contract sorry exercised uh, another 12 months so they'll probably do that because they've got an asset there that they'll probably want to sell um, but I just think there's no way that they cannot sell Paul Pogger at the end of the season they'll, someone will probably still put in 60, 70 million pounds for that player and I think United have got to look to cash in on him because he is a bad apple in that squad mm. and he has never changed it's all about him He's not bothered about the, the the goal at Man United. He's bothered about Paul Pogba being in the headlines and doing what Paul Pogba wants on the pitch. And you cannot have someone like that in your squad. They are in a world of trouble at United at the minute. Uh, it is not going well. The signs of recovery that we've seen towards the end of the season um, after Project Restart is evaporated again at the start of this season. Um, square pegs and round holes, you name it, it's all going on there. And he is so unhelpful. And if I was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and the fans and the rest of the squad, I would be furious with him for that. I mean, there's some players that are worth the hassle, aren't there, Marley? There's some mercurial talents that you don't care how many times they appear on the front pages or the back pages of the paper because once they step onto the pitch, they bring something special to your club. It's difficult to see Paul Pogba in that kind of mould at the moment. So is he worth the hassle? Whether it's his fault or not, whether he's causing the trouble... He is a disruptive influence because the spotlight is always on him because of his agent, because of his transfer fee that he came to the club at. So is it time for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, because of what he's trying to build at Manchester United, just to go, I've had enough. Away you go. Get to Real Madrid, 60 million quid. Thank you very much. I think the one thing that always comes out of, of international breaks is within 24 hours of the players arriving... They've done some sort of stupid interview. It doesn't matter who it is. <laughs> it happens with everyone. It's usually Paul Pogba. Yeah, it's usually Pogba. Pogba does about four in his first two hours. In, since since his feet <laughs> touch French soil, he gets Le Keep, he gets every everyone, just invites them all to his house and he's like, right, lads, I still want to go to Real Madrid. Um, and they all, you know, it, gets, it filters back to England and everyone, you know, hates Paul Pogba for the next week if you're a Man United fan kind of thing. So... It, it happens all the time, like all these, they go away and they just do random interviews and they just cause problems, but 
as we say, Pogba does it over and over and over again. And we're, we're seeing it again. Um, it probably is time for them to cut losses because on the pitch he's he's playing awfully, really, really bad at the minute. Um, the way he celebrated his free kick against Brighton in the... Um, in the Carabao Cup was was unreal because it was literally about to land in the flipping Isle of Wight before it uh, took a deflection off the the wall and ended up in the back of the net and he ran off celebrating like he just hit a you know an absolute perler um, and it was one of them where you're just like oh, come on Paul like you you you're not producing it on the pitch um, you know and he says he says you know I want to. It's my dream to play for Real Madrid. I don't know if I've ever told you two guys, but it's also my dream to ever play for Real Madrid. Um, and I think I'm pretty You've much got more of a chance. I'm pretty much the same chance. Uh, got the same chances. Podcasts. At the minute. Do you want to appear on though, Marley? That's more relevant. <laughs> yeah, um, but he's he's not he's nowhere near at that level. But if if this can drum up some interest, then then Man United are in a strong situation because um, they, as as Steve says, they need to. Um, I need to cash in on him now because he's he's becoming a problem uh, in terms of his 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 level of play, his wages. He's just not he's not producing it. He's not worth the risk, as as, as you said before. I think if I was Donny Van der Beek, I'd be absolutely furious that this guy's mm. in in the team ahead of me in his his preferred position because. Well, his agent's already started, hasn't he, Marley? He has, yeah, yeah, yeah. already, yeah. Donny's agent has already started, so you know. Hundred percent, and he's right to do so as well. Like, you can't look at the two teams and going, "Well, he's playing rubbish," and you've just signed my client for forty million quid, and you're sitting him on the bench and playing him, and like, you know, bringing him on with thirty seconds to go. It's like, I don't know whether that's that's an issue for for Solskjaer long term because if he's not playing Van der Beek and he's playing even Fred and and Pogba ahead of him, then maybe he's he's uh, maybe he never wanted him in the first place. Maybe it was just a sort of bargain. Uh, fee put to him by Woodward and something to appease the fans earlier in the window where there were there was pressure on United for just to sign somebody and they ended up signing Van der Beek. I don't know, but that needs to they need to sort that situation out because it's it's a huge uh, it's a huge issue for them. So cashing in would probably be the best solution for everyone. I, th- I think. I'd be really interested to hear what Manchester United fans think of Paul Pogba at the moment, whether you agree with what we're saying, which is pretty unified in terms of his future at Manchester United. If you disagree or if you agree, you can get us on our social media. Twitter's probably the best place for that kind of argument. At The Sport Social is the place to go for that. And you can find links to all our social media accounts, as well as the latest news on your team on our website, sports-social. .co.uk. Right, we're going to shift attention to the Midlands next because Wolverhampton Wanderers are the subject of our floodlight focus and we're going to be talking to the guys from Wolves Fancast next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Find us on Instagram at Sports Social Official. Welcome back to Football Social Daily and it's time to switch our focus to the Midlands because Wolves are the subject of our floodlight focus. We're going to be talking all things old gold for the next few minutes and we're going to be doing that in the company of Jordan Russell from the Wolves Fancast. How are you doing, Jordan? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, Tar. I've got to say that I 
have been a little bit disappointed with Wolves and how they've started this season. I expected a little bit more from them. Is that the general feeling amongst Wolves fans? Have you felt like the first four games haven't quite got up to, uh, off to the start you expected? Yeah, I think that's safe to say. I think that um, you know we've come out of we've come up into this international break with six points from four games. Um, obviously, the Man City game is you know we beat them twice last season, but it's still a game you're not expected to win. Mm. Um, Obviously, the West Ham result was a massive disappointment, more so for the performance rather than the result itself. And um, yeah, it feel it does feel like a bit of a transitional year for for Wolves as a club in terms of sort of obviously we've lost Doherty and Jota, who you could argue that we've improved on in terms of with some of the signings we've made. However, that takes time to bed in, and they're still an inaugural part of a very successful team. So um, I do think it's a bit of bedding in. Um, Nuno didn't have a lot of time on the training ground with the new signings or even the squad, like a lot of other clubs as well. But that European escapade sort of didn't help things. And I think we're probably just like a week or so behind everyone else, mm. really, when it comes to game time and fitness. So I'm a bit disappointed, but putting it into sort of context, we've got a good run of fixtures now, albeit we've got leads away um, after the international break, which could absolutely be any scoreline whatsoever. Um, but, you know, I'm feeling relatively positive that we can have a, a, a good season again, really. I want to talk about the transfer window in just a moment, but just looking back at those games, particularly the West Ham game, because I'm a West Ham fan, so I play, it's played a lot of interest in that one. And watching it, I was expecting Wolves to come out all guns blazing. I was preparing myself for the worst, but it just didn't happen. And I think maybe it, it wasn't a 4-0 game, probably, but at the same time, it wasn't the same Wolves I've seen before. What do you think went wrong in that particular game? I just didn't get everything went wrong, if I'm honest with you. Um, <laughs> we just, you could tell, though, from minute one, we just weren't at it. It just didn't feel like a Wolves team that we've become so used to watching. Um, there's no mistake about it. Like West Ham could have scored six or seven, and it wouldn't have really flattered you, I don't think. I, think, I thought we were that bad. Mm. Um, obviously, we've had a good record against West Ham in recent years as well. Most teams do. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so again, going into that game, I was feeling really confident that we'd come away with at least a point. But... Yeah, it just you could just tell from minute one it re- wasn't really like the Wolves that we typically associate with, you know, this Nuno style of play. So I think it's one just right off. Really, I'm I'm sort of putting it down to a bad day at the office. And um, yeah, sort of we had we had a similar result last year mm. to Chelsea. We lost five two early on in the campaign. Um, we had a lot of European European fixtures at that point as well, and we were rotating a bit. So it probably isn't as much an excuse as the West Ham one. But however, you know what? It's one game and. Obviously, we put it right when we played Fulham, albeit the performance wasn't there. The three points still that matters at the minute with all the freaky score lines going on yeah. in the league. With the transfer window, I mean, there's been some interesting dealings. You've brought in some players, particularly some promising talent from the Portuguese league, as you always seem to do. But yep. you've also seen some departures as well. Diogo Jota going to Liverpool, Matt Doherty going to Spurs, as you mentioned, who are two key players. Do you feel like you come out on top in this transfer window, or do you feel like the squad's been maybe depleted slightly? I think it's. I think time will tell. I think that watching Doherty for ten years at, at Molyneux, um, a lot of Wolves fans will tell you that he's got his limitations, um, especially defensively. However, his attacking output and the way he's played, you know, under Nuno and the style and our system, he's a brilliant player for it. Um, obviously, a very high scoring fantasy football as well. Um, but when it was a bit of a strange signing, really, for Spurs, in my opinion, um, especially that they're playing a back four. Because, mm. like I say, I think defensively he's already shown a few frailties. Um, 
And I think that actually going out and getting Nelson Tomato, I mean, from Barcelona, who was their first choice right back last season, it speaks volumes, really. So I do think we've got an upgrade there in the limited time we've seen him. With Diogo Jota, who's definitely my favourite player during the Nuno regime um, over the last sort of three, four years, um, just for his tenacity. Um, he's not necessarily the best player we've got at the club or had at the club, should I say. Um, but it was just infectious. Anytime he was hot, he was really hot. And for him to go to Liverpool, I think it comes down to the fee, really. I mean, we, we paid £12 million for him and um, we're getting £45 million back. Mm. So, I mean, when you put the fee into it and also sort of, I suppose, the evolution of the team, really, sort of, he was out of favour come the end of the season because the emergence of Daniel Pedence really shone through and Troy Ore and Neto. So... I think it was a fair fee, really. And although we haven't necessarily strengthened in those wide areas, I think that we've got enough with those three that I've already mentioned yeah. to sort of paper over that crack of losing Jota. Mm, I think Pedence looks fantastic, by the way. Uh, another success story of this season, potentially, and certainly last season, is Connor Cody. Made his England yep. debut last night, and it was a strong debut as well. Were you surprised to see him get in the call-up, or do you think it was been a long time coming, that one? Richly deserved. I mean, he 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 come in and played. He, he did play against Denmark, didn't he? Um, okay. He got called up late and then ended up starting against Denmark. I think that he's a shoe in for me for that squad. Um, again, I think if we're definitely if we're playing a back four, um, I can understand why he won't make squads. If I'm being truthfully honest, but as a back five, I mean, it showed last night really. He's a lot more than just a footballer in terms of he's a captain, he's a leader, he's so vocal. Yeah. I know ITV mentioned it a few times that he was the only person you could hear from the gantry and yeah watching what he's just a born leader and again sort of as a Wolves fan um, he epitomises everything that you know we love about the club and um, see his growth and him playing for England and also getting the armband in the second half was just for about 30 seconds wasn't it <laughs> yeah well yeah but you know still proud as punch for him really obviously getting a goal <laughs> as well and I do think if England look to play a back five in the Euros come the summer that he's got to be playing for me he's definitely more reliable than Maguire or Stones at the moment. So, yeah, playing a back five, he's got to be playing for me. On the international front, Adama Traore has he's apparently shunned Mali and he's joined up with the Spain squad. Now, he seems like a player who hasn't quite found his form this season. He started a few games on the bench. He's been played at fullback a couple of times as well. Is there something wrong there or do you think it's just a blip in his form when you expect him to recapture the glimpses of what he showed last season at some point? It's a bit of an enigma, Traore. Um, he, he's like he's unplayable. Probably won every three, four games last season. Um, this season he hasn't had a game where he's not been play- unplayable. So mm. sort of screaming a little bit um, out more about his performances. I mean, when he's on it, he's he you can't you can't stop him. There's no two ways about it. And I think that he obviously had a few shot. Well, he had a dislocated shoulder last season. I think he ended up dislocating about three, four times playing for us. So. I still think he might be nursing a shoulder injury, if I'm honest with you. Again, another one that's sort of grown massively as a player under Nuno um, and is in our Wolves team. So when he's on it, he's the, the most exciting player to watch, possibly in the Premier League. Oh, definitely up there anyway. Um, it feels like he's wasted in that fullback position a little bit. And I, I obviously don't watch Wolves as much as you, but I like him when he's he's getting to the byline and kind of using his pace and his strength. Yeah, most definitely. And I think that sort of he's filled in there when we were waiting for um, the Doherty replacement and obviously we finally got Tomato. So he's sort of filled in there a little bit. The problem is with Traore is, or what, what my opinion is, when you start making him overthink his game, i.e. you're playing right wing back, you've got to think about your defensive duties, you sort of limit him. Like He's very much a player that plays on impulse. And mm. 
as soon as you start putting shackles on him, you sort of see the breakdown, breaking down of him as a footballer. Because I don't actually think he's like the, the one of the, you know, as a footballer himself, I don't think he's actually a great footballer, but it's everything he's got, his speed, his pace, his power, mm. it's raw. And it's, you know, when you put all that together, he's frightening. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just let him go out there with a clear mind and let him just get get the ball 40 yards, 50 yards away and just head down and dribble because no one will stop him. Before I let you go, how do you see this season shaping up? You've already said it's a transitional season. So what's your kind yeah. of minimum expectations and what would be your maximum? What would be your dream result? Can you see yourselves breaking into the top four maybe? I, I don't see it this season personally. I think we missed. I think we had a massive chance last season um, coming back from lockdown. And I think we had six games left and we were like a point off the top four. The problem is with us is I do think we have strengthened, um, but I just think the teams around us have strengthened more. You're looking at teams like sort of, I think Tottenham are a better team this year. A full season with Arteta Arsenal are going to be a better team. Everton under Ancelotti. You know, like, I think everyone knows how good they've been so far. Leicester again. So I think it's going to be really difficult to break that top four. I'd be honest with you, I'd, I would be disappointed to finish outside the top eight as a, as a Wolves fan. But I think that realistically, yeah, top eight's realistic. Hopefully we can get back into the Open League, but I think top four is just going to be a step too far this year. Jordan, top man, pleasure to chat to you on Football Social Daily. If people want to listen to more from you and your pals on the Wolves Fancast, where can they find it? Um, so, yeah, it's just at Wolves Fancast and you can listen to us on Spotify, Acast and iTunes. Everywhere. Nice one. Cheers, Jordan. Cheers, thank you. Right, that is it for today's show. Thank you very much, Steve. Oh, you're welcome, mate. It was good, that. Thank you very much, Marley. Thank you, guys. I'm amazed we, we got all the way through the podcast without asking about Steve about the 7-2 drumming his team got last week. <laughs> Distant, distant past now. One word, one word comment on that, Steve. Goodbye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.